Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group. Member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. The S&P 500 is a market cap-weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Hunter Lowry and not those of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management or Next Financial Group. Next does not provide tax or legal advice. everybody welcome back to the wealth accelerator podcast it's december 8th 2020 holy cow the year is seriously almost over now i haven't even hardly started my christmas shopping <laughs> i was supposed to be in vegas this week uh, for those of you guys who've been listening for a while you remember last year um vegas is the the biggest roping of the year for us and it's the finale for one of the team roping circuits i rope in and i was supposed to be today's tuesday i was supposed to be roping in the big show on thursday and it got canceled so <laughs> just like everything else this year lots of plans are changing um i was actually supposed to be gone for about two weeks um kind of traveling through arizona and into nevada but all of that got shut down and and things changed so we're still here in auburn working up at home but it definitely threw me for a little bit of a loop because normally I do all my Christmas shopping in Vegas. Now it's not happening. I don't know what to do. I, I probably should start checking. <laughs> I feel like if I go on Amazon, it's going to take three months for it to get here because everybody's doing that. So we'll see what happens with that. I got I to gotta get going there. So I wanted to answer another one of Natalie's questions. My last episode was um, to the 4-H kids and for anybody else that wanted to see, but some lessons to my younger self. And another question that Natalie had asked me to cover was preparing financially for college. And in my mind, there, there's kind of two ways to look at this. And from the child standpoint, you know, how to, how to pick the right school and, and go about that process and understand how to pay for it. And then on the parents' side, understanding the different types of accounts they can set up to pay for their children's college and which one's going to be the most successful for them. I want to start with the kids' side on how to pick a school and understanding to pay for it. So when you're trying to choose a college, 100%, it is important to try to go to the best school you can, right? There's a reason that we're all studying, hopefully studying so hard and trying to get the best grades possible. Of course, you want to go to the greatest school that you possibly can. But don't get caught up on it not being Harvard or Yale or Stanford. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, there are successful people that come from other colleges than those. It's a great thing to go to a good school. It definitely helps, but I don't believe that it really defines your success. It all depends on what you're going to do with it. And I actually touched on this a long ways back, man. If you remember this episode, you've been listening for a long time, but someone had asked me to cover this, you know, along the topic of, do you have to go to a good school in order to end up getting a good job? Or are you behind the eight ball if you don't go to a quote unquote top notch school or a private school or whatever? And I reflected back on both of my grandparents, neither of which went to what you would call a, a top-notch school. They were both college-educated, but they were state schools, public schools. I mean, affordable and just like a ton of other people go through, just a very uh, normal college education. 
One of my grandpas on one side of my family actually went to a, a middle school of, I think there might have been three kids there. <laughs> uh, they were out in the middle of nowhere on a ranch, went up through middle school like that. Their teacher had to drive in. I think I think the teacher used to drive in like over an hour just to get to the little schoolhouse. They would, they would do school there. Then he ended up going to San Jose State and starting a really, really large construction company here in Northern California and, and uh, building a lot of the freeways throughout Northern California and was extremely successful. My other grandpa, he went to the University of Arizona and also started a construction company and was able to do very well for himself. And there's so many stories. I mean, I can't even imagine how many stories there are of people that are extremely just uber successful that that went to public schools or maybe didn't even go to college at all. And really at the end of the day, in order to be successful, it's being financially literate. It's understanding how to make money work for you. That's how you're going to be successful. It's not going to be just from whatever school is on your diploma hanging on your wall. So that being said, again, try to get into the best school that you possibly can. But the biggest thing that I think that younger people should be doing when they're picking schools is avoiding getting into debt at a young age. That's such a scary thing. And it's a real problem. You know, younger kids coming out of college and they're in debt for so long. It's hard to get ahead of the game at that point. The average student loan debt in America it, and this is only for a four-year college education and an average. I mean, imagine how much higher it can be than this. But the average student loan debt in America is over $32,000 when you graduate. So guess how long on average that takes to pay off for people? It takes an average of 20 years, 20 freaking years. That's not even including graduate school. If you want to go on and, and be something more specialized, that needs a more formal education. And I talked about this in my last episode you want to work on building up your asset side, not your liability side. And it's so hard to build up assets if you're constantly behind having to pay off debts, especially all, like if that's all that you know, starting from an early age, always having to pay off debts. It's just a really, really hard thing to get ahead of. So there's so many scholarships and grants and aid available. Be smart about knowing where your funds will be coming from to pay for your school and going about it in an affordable manner. Because I'll tell you what, if you can get through college and get an education without putting yourself in a whole lot of debt, you are going to be so much better off, I promise you. Starting at a community college for a couple years and working your way up or going to an in-state public school, there's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with it whatsoever. That is not going to determine how successful you are financially in your life. Okay, so on the flip side of this with the parents. For people that are, or doesn't have to be parents, grandparents, whoever, for people wanting to invest for the futures of their relatives, there's three main ways to go about it. I'm not going to get into using insurance policies and some other creative techniques that we can use right now, but the three main ways that people know about and utilize are 529 plans, Coverdell plans, and UTMA accounts. So let's start with the 529 and Coverdell plans because those are the most popular and well-known uh, college saving vehicles. So within a 529 plan, the nice thing about it is there's no income level or age restriction on opening this account. You can even open one for yourself as your own beneficiary. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much money you make, doesn't matter. You could open up a 529. And you can put as much as you would like into the account, but keeping in mind that putting money in this type of account is considered a gift. So since the gift tax limit is currently $15,000, anything above that amount, you'll have to file with, the, uh, with a gift tax return to the IRS. 
So the nice thing with this account is you can put a lot of money into it. Now, something that I don't particularly love is the investment side. Within the 529s, you basically pick an asset allocation plan with a certain fund company and you're narrowed into only that certain fund company. You don't have much control over it. You're not going to be picking individual stocks. You're not going to really be rotating sectors as the market's changing. You're going to be more putting money in there and setting and forgetting it. Later on down the road, sure, you'll get more conservative as, you, um, as your child is approaching the goal of going to college. But during that time, there's not going to be a whole lot of changes made. It's going to just be rolling the ball down the hill. Now, the nice thing about this is the account is tax deferred and withdrawals are tax free for qualified expenses, some of which um, these can cover elementary through high school tuition also. So it doesn't have to be just for college. Plus, if the beneficiary doesn't go to school or doesn't end up needing the funds, you can roll these funds over to other family members as well. They're not going to expire and just vanish. So basically, overall, with the 529, you can put more money into it. You have less control over the investments and they're going to grow tax deferred and their tax free withdrawals for qualified expenses. So a Coverdell plan with a Coverdell, you can only put in $2,000 a year into this type of account. And you're actually not even allowed to use this account. If your adjusted gross income is more than $110,000, if you're filing single or $220,000, if you're filing joint. However, the Coverdell does allow for much more flexibility with investment options. You can be way more hands-on. You can pick your own individual investments. You can be an active investor within the account. Plus, another nice thing with the Coverdell is while a 529, when talking about elementary and high school instead of college uh, and college expenses, the 529, it's limited more to elementary and high school tuition, where a Coverdell has qualified expenses that cover a much wider variety of expenses within elementary and high school. And this type of account also provides tax deferred growth and tax free withdrawals for qualified education expenses. So basically Coverdell account, you can put less money into it. You actually can't even use it if you make too much money. You have way more flexibility with investment options and you have more flexibility in terms of what a qualified expense is, especially for elementary and high school expenses. Now last type of account, and this is a little bit different, but some people will use a UTMA account and basically what a UTMA account is, is somebody, you know, the parent, grandchild, whoever will act as the custodian of the account and they will name their child or whoever they want to give these funds to. They'll name them as the beneficiary and once the beneficiary reaches the age of majority, that beneficiary now has control and access to all of the funds. Now, the age of majority depends on what state you're in, but say it's you know 18 years old, once the child turns 18, they can take over and use the funds for whatever they want. Now, the nice thing about this type of account is if you're unsure about if your child's going to attend school or you don't wanna have the money just only earmarked for that specific goal, you want them to be able to use it for other things too, this UTMA account can be used for absolutely anything that they want. They can use it for education. They can use it to buy a car. They, it's not going to have the tax benefits, but that being said, they can use it for whatever they wanna use it for. It's much more just like a normal investment account that you would think of. Now the UTMA account, it's gonna have a ton of flexibility also on how you can invest it. Just like the Coverdell, you can invest it however you would like, but it doesn't hold the tax benefits that the other two accounts do, at least for education purposes. The UTMA accounts, they fall under what's called the kitty tax rules. And what this means is that the first $1,100 of unearned income is tax-free. 
The second $1,100 of unearned income is taxed at the child's income tax rate, and any unearned income above $2,200 is taxed at the parent's marginal income tax rate. So there's obviously a lot of pros and cons to all three of those types of accounts. And <laughs> the great answer with everything in financial planning is there's no one answer for everybody. It totally depends on what your goals are, what your family's goals are, what exactly you're trying to get out of the money. So it's important to have an understanding of what all of these types of accounts are for and how to utilize them to fund your specific goal. And of course, if you have any questions about this and would like to get my opinion on the right account for you and your situation, you can go over to my website at hunterlowry.com. You can schedule a call with me right there. I'd be more than happy to talk with you and go over all of this stuff with you. Well, to all the 4-H people out there that are listening, I hope that these topics I've been covering have been helpful to you. If you have any questions, you can always reach out and I'd be more than happy to go over any topics that you guys are curious about. Really appreciate you tuning in and listening and have a great rest of your day, everybody. 